0: If you have your Bible, please open to the book of Luke. We're going to continue our series this morning. Say, why are we continuing our series in Luke? Don't you know that it's the Sunday before Christmas? The answer is yes. I do know that this is a Sunday before Christmas. So we'll continue in Luke 12. And the title this morning, we don't usually make a big deal about what the sermon title is. The sermon title this morning would seem perfect for Christmas, Peace on Earth, until you see the question mark, right? And you go, what does that mean? And, and these words are actually right in our text for this morning from the last part of Luke 12. So that's why we went ahead and stuck with it because Jesus is talking about peace on earth and what he actually came to bring. So, if you have your Bible, Luke 12 is going to be our spot. We'll be finishing Luke 12 today. It'll be Luke 12, verses 49 through 59. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to grab a Bible from the back of... There should be at least one in the back of a chair in the row in front of you. And if you use that Bible, the reading for today is on page 872. But it's Luke 12, 49 through 59. And then once you have your spot there... If you go back over to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, chapter 8, and we'll read verses 11 through 15, and if you're using one of our chair Bibles, that one is on page 572. So chair Bibles 572 and 872, not chair Bibles, you have to find it on your own, sorry. It's Isaiah eight eleven through 15, and Luke 12. 49 through 59, and I don't know if I found the Old Testament spot and marked it. We'll see if I did. Nope. And so, and I'm going to be reading the scripture this morning. I was supposed to ask somebody and totally failed to do that until it was too late last night. So, Isaiah 8 and then Luke 12. Isaiah 8, 11 through 15. For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, this rebellious people against God, saying, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread, But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken." They shall be snared and taken. And then Luke 12, beginning in verse 49. Jesus is speaking. He says, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you. But rather, division. For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, You will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you even as we've already been able to rejoice today. We thank you that you have made peace through Christ. So that we who deserve your wrath can know your peace and your life forever. And would you help us as we look into these words of Jesus, these difficult words of Jesus, would you help us to see what you want us to see? And Would you help us to respond the way that you want us to respond? With repentance, with faith, ultimately that will lead to peace and joy. And so would you meet with us now by your spirit? Would you help us would you be at work among us for your glory and for our good? In Jesus' name, amen. So again, peace on earth seems like, you know, the, just right. That's what you should be preaching on, on the Sunday before Christmas. But then after seeing the question mark, and then hearing the text read, and he's saying, do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, 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 you have this all wrong. Uh, I came to give division. There will be houses divided. Uh, It's Cowboys Week, just in case anybody was unaware. And I know there are some divided um, houses. There's some division in our church on this. Um, (laughs) Right? And so... Where, where, I, where we moved here from, we moved from Clemson, South Carolina. There's a university there. They're mainly known for beating Alabama a couple of times and losing to Alabama a couple of times in the, in the college football national championship the last few years. Well, their rival, and it hasn't really been, see, and Danny just walked in, he wasn't even here talking about the Cowboys. We'll have to get it again later. Um, <laughs> So there, Clemson's big rival is the University of South Carolina, and they're in Columbia, which is where my parents live. And so you can find stores there that half the store is Clemson and half the store is South Carolina. And you can buy bumper stickers and signs that say house divided and you know this jagged line down the center. Um, so so when we're with our parents, when South Carolina plays Clemson, we do have a, a little bit of a house divided going on, and we feel a little bit of that tension, even though we're friends on another, lots of important levels. Um, it's tough, especially when South Carolina wins, which we haven't had to worry about for several years. But it's challenging. Uh, just like if you have family members who are Cowboys fans, it'd be challenging <laughs> this afternoon, right? It'd be tough. There's division. And you say, that, that's not even the important division, right? You don't need to tell me about division. Jesus talks about division with your mother-in-law. And you're like, yes, I can totally identify with that. Now, I can't identify with that personally, but I hear that that can be a thing. She is also one of our most religious watchers of our YouTube channel she may be watching right now they're they're down in Florida so Voter was able to give a similar testimony, I got to go visit Voter and Sophie and Lyra, his mother-in-law is in town from China and he was talking about how great she is so I'm not the only one So maybe it's not about division with your mother-in-law, but you can feel division in in your own family, and it's not about cowboys and eagles, it's about things that are actually much more important than that. And maybe you're getting ready to feel that tension this week as you think about where you're going to be on Tuesday or Wednesday as we come to Christmas. Or maybe it's not just family, we're aware of division in our culture more broadly, right? Right? with the whole cancel culture. Somebody says something I don't like, let's boycott them, let's make them disappear. We can argue about whether or not there is a war on Christmas, but certainly we have polarized politics. Everyone's assuming the very worst motives about everyone else. It happens in the political realm, but it also happens in fractured families. And so there's division. And where does that division come from? It comes from differences that we have and how we think about and how we treat people who have differences with us, who have different values, who appreciate different things. That's why I like to pick on the Cowboys-Eagles thing because that's where the difference really isn't that important. Some of you are like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, so this sermon's for you, <laughs> right? Yes, all right, you're exactly right. It's it's a game. It's a game. <laughs> Enjoy it. But when we think about division and we think about Jesus, especially this time of year, we're singing songs about peace on earth. We sang one this morning, right? God and sinners reconciled. That is where peace comes from. But as that happens, division is actually created. It's not just brought to the surface. It's actually created. And so the big idea this morning from these last verses of Luke 12 is that we must be prepared for division because of Jesus' death and resurrection. We must be prepared for division because of Jesus' death and resurrection. In the text we read a moment ago, Jesus actually says he's come to bring division. And that doesn't seem right to us. That feels wrong, but it's what he said. But he didn't only say that he would divide, he also said that he had a baptism to be baptized with, that he was born to die. Then the last six verses are about understanding what's going on, understanding the times because Jesus has come and responding appropriately to him. So as followers of Jesus, we must be prepared for division because of Jesus' death and resurrection. So let's see first that Jesus was born to divide. Again, it seems strange to bring up at Christmas time. We're all supposed to feel good and feel happy. But the scripture is very clear. Jesus is very clear. He was born to divide. He says explicitly, I came not to give peace on earth, but to give division. And that's the point of his fire metaphor in verse 49. He says, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. What does fire do? Fire divides what will last from what won't last. That's how Paul uses that metaphor in 1 Corinthians 3, that we looked at briefly last week in talking about Jesus coming back, that we would all stand before him and our works would be judged for how we built upon the foundation of Christ, whether we built with gold, silver, precious stones, or whether we built with wood, hay, and stubble. And the idea is that some of those things would make it through the fire and others would not. Fire purifies gold, And consumes straw. It makes a division. And we know that's what Jesus is talking about. Because he says clearly. I've come to give division. It's a division between those who are his. And those who are not. Between his followers. And the world. Between those who recognize him as God's Messiah. And receive him. And those who. Who reject him? And this isn't something new, where it's like, you know, are we sure this is right? Is that really what he said here? This is actually in accordance with what we've already seen in Luke. Think back to when Jesus was dedicated at the temple in Luke chapter two. So shortly after, we're used to the first part of Luke twenty-two. We just read it at our Advent gathering on Wednesday night, where we see, okay, here's what happened. And the shepherds came, and they sang. The angels sang. We had all this excitement and glory at his birth, and then it gets to like regular stuff. The time came for their purification, and they go to the temple for that to happen. They meet a man named Simeon, who said, now I can die in peace. My eyes have seen your salvation. He'd been told by the Holy Spirit that he would see the Lord's Christ, the Messiah, before he died. And he knew, I'm holding in my hands the one who will rescue his people and then in luke 2 34 and 35 simeon blessed them and said to mary his mother behold this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed it says this child is appointed for the fall the rising Of many, for a difference, for a division. The thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. And John the Baptist continued this theme in Luke chapter 3 as he was preaching on repentance and telling people they needed to turn. And as people were wondering, is he the Messiah? John says, I'm not. I'm not the Messiah. In verses 16 and 17 of Luke 3, he says, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And Jesus picks up that same thing. I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor, and to gather the wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So all the way back in the beginning, at Jesus' birth, at his dedication at the temple, it was clear that this peace on earth does not come to everyone just because. It comes to those who Who are his? To those who repent, to those who respond in faith, there will be a final division when he comes again, like we saw last week with the bad servant who was put with the unfaithful or with the unbelievers. But it's not just for the end. The division is also now. Look back at verse fifty-two. Jesus says, "For from." now on. In one house, there will be five divided, three against two, two against three, and then all the family relationships with their divisions. It's not just for the end, it's from now on, because Jesus has come. That was the decisive moment. And from that point up through today, there is division in this world, between those who belong to Christ, those who have repented of their sins, turned from their sins, and trust in Christ, and those who don't. Now, this is not something that we feel the same way that other people in other parts of the world feel. Often here it's like, okay, so maybe I have different politics than other people, I have different sports teams than other people, and you know, but we're supposed to all just get along. But this is something that though maybe we don't feel it, many of our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world feel this division keenly. For some to say, I believe in Jesus, I believe that he is God. I believe that he really lived a perfect life. I believe that he really died on the cross and that that death was a sacrifice for my sins and that he really rose from the dead. To say those things and say, yes, I am a Christian, could mean you lose everything. Here we clap for you. You don't lose everything. Really, anything. But in other parts of the world, you may lose everything. Your family. You're dead to us. In some cultures, they actually hold funerals for people who convert to Christianity. Because they're considered gone. They're no longer one of us. They're no longer part of the family. You could lose your family. You could lose, especially if you are living in that culture with them, your job. No Christians here your standing in the community, or even your life. We don't face that. We often forget that. That's, that's not something I'm thinking about every day as I'm just going about my life. But there are people right now, it's not just in the past, it's not just old stories from Fox's Book of Martyrs, it's not just old stories of the, the Colosseum. There are people right now, our brothers and sisters around the world, who face this, who feel this, who when they see Jesus say something like this, it makes sense. They don't go, well, just tell me the easier part. Tell me about the peace. Tell me about how all this works. They go, yep, I feel that. I understand that. And so as we would seek to understand this text, it helps us to think about them, not just to go, what does... What does it say? Okay, so what does it mean to me? How do I feel about it? How do I immediately try to apply it to where I am? We best apply it to where we are when we understand the purpose for which it is there. And so others around the world would read this text and they would get it in ways that maybe we naturally don't. But Jesus divides. One of the implications is that there should be a division between those who follow Christ and those who don't. Not that we need to be mean or unkind, but has Jesus made a difference in your life? See, Jesus divides precisely because of the difference that he makes in people's lives. If we didn't have any differences, there wouldn't be any division, right? If, you, if we didn't have a difference with somebody on who should win the football game this afternoon, you wouldn't have any division, and you'd be able to just enjoy it. It's, it's fun for us sometimes when a football game comes on that we're not cheering for either team, right? And we can just like them both. It happened for us a couple of weeks ago, and Anna Grace was like, this is just so fun. We can cheer for both. It was that crazy 49ers Saints game where everyone was scoring like every possession. She's like, this is just cool. And we didn't have to worry about anything, right? Because it didn't matter who won or lost. It didn't, it didn't make any difference how we felt. didn't make any difference to any of our teams. There's nothing any of the teams we care about would gain or lose based on that. We could just enjoy it. But then in those other moments where you have a difference about what should happen... That's where we feel that division. But Jesus was born to divide because he was born to die. And this is where it starts to feel a little bit more like a Christmas message. Yes, Jesus brings division. He was born to divide, but he was born to die. And his death becomes the hope for peace in a divided world. Look at verse 50. It says, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. So that sounds strange? Didn't Jesus already get baptized uh, by John the Baptist back near the beginning, right after John the Baptist said those things about him in Luke 3? Yes, But Jesus is referring to something else. He's not referring to his baptism in water. He's referring to the baptism of undergoing God's wrath for us. We get a little help in knowing for sure that that's what it means in Mark 10 as his disciples are arguing about who's the greatest and James and John are saying, give us the two seats next to you when you come in your kingdom. You know, tell us, Jesus, that that's our request of you. Would you give us, let us sit on your right hand and your left when your kingdom comes in its fullness. And he says, are you ready to drink the cup that I drink? Are you ready to be baptized with the baptism that I will be baptized with? And of course, in their arrogance and their lack of understanding, oh yeah, we're ready. We are able to do that. And Jesus In his wisdom, and probably with a bit of a smile, (laughs) says, uh, it's not mine to grant the seats that you were just asking me about, (laughs) but you, you will drink the cup. You will be baptized. And so every follower of Jesus follows him in his suffering on the way to glory. But Jesus' baptism wasn't his baptism in water. It was is undergoing the fire of God's wrath for everyone who hopes in him. He was born to bear God's wrath for us. Born to die. It's a reminder to us as we enjoy the Christmas songs and get ready to go different places and celebrate that peace is not automatic Peace isn't just because we have lots of lights on this time of year. Peace isn't just because we've decorated nicely. Peace isn't just because we're going to try hard when we're all together. Peace comes through Christ's sacrifice. And we experience it as we trust in him. And when we have peace with God through Christ, we stand out from the world. We look different. Jesus says he's distressed until his baptism is accomplished. Can you imagine living your whole life knowing? He knows what he's come to do. He knows he's going to be separated from his father. Something that's never happened to him. He'd lived forever in full fellowship with his father, knowing that he would be forsaken on the cross. He knows this is what he came for. He's already, we saw in Luke 9, he's already set his face toward Jerusalem. He's on his way. He says, that's where I'm going. I'm going to do what I came to do. And it bothers him. It's hard. It's a struggle he knows he's going to die a bloody death. Taking the punishment that we deserve because of our sin. Jesus was born to divide and he was born to die. To be our peace. And so how do we respond to him then? If that, that's what he came for. He came to divide by dying and creating a people for himself. So how do we Respond. What does responding to Jesus look like? Well, as we read from Isaiah 8, we will either stumble over Jesus or he will be our sanctuary. There's no, no middle road. There's no middle ground. On where you stand with him, Jesus doesn't do nuance. There's only two. You're his or you're not. You're trusting him or you're not. We will either stumble over Jesus or he will be our sanctuary, our peace. Because Jesus died paying the price for our sin and rose again guaranteeing life forever for all who trust in him and because he's coming again to judge, now is the time to make peace with God. How do we respond to this Jesus who says, I've come to cast fire on the earth? Do you think I've come to bring peace? No, division. Now is the time to make peace with God. And this is the point of those last six verses. Verses 57 through 59, the point is, now is the time to make peace. Jesus tells them, settle with your accuser now before you get dragged before the judge. The idea is that they had wronged someone and that before they ended up having to be punished for it, they had an opportunity to make it right. They had an opportunity to settle before being dragged before a judge, before being tried, before being convicted, before being sentenced. As I tell you, you'll never get out until you have paid the very last penny. And when we think about that in the context of the rest of what Jesus has been talking about, we realize this is about them who were hearing that day, and it's about us. We have all done wrong, every one of us. And we would all, therefore, stand condemned before God if we tried to stand on our own merit. We need to make peace with the one we have wronged before we stand before the judge. In this case, God is the one we've wronged, so he becomes the plaintiff, and he is the judge. So how can we make peace with him? How do we settle with our accuser? Well, we can only make peace with God because God has made peace with us through Christ. He has made the first move, and what a move. He sent his son, when he didn't have to. To be born in humble circumstances. To live in an out-of-the-way town. Working. Living that perfect life for us. So that he could give us his righteousness. Willing to suffer rejection so that we wouldn't have to be rejected by God, but could be accepted. See, God's not only the plaintiff and the judge in this story. He's the one who offers his own son to make the payment, to take the punishment in our place. And yes, Jesus is troubled. He says he's distressed until it's done. But Jesus did this willingly for us. Jesus would tell us, don't miss this moment if you have not yet made peace with God. See, these people, they couldn't see. That's the point of verses 54 to 56. He tells them, you can read the weather, you see the weather patterns. It's a little different for us because we just, you know, check the weather channel app or whatever weather app that you use that's better than the weather channel that you can tell me about afterwards. <laughs> they could read the weather, but they couldn't read the time, right? It says, okay, you see the cloud in the west and that's where storms would come from, from the Mediterranean. You say a shower is coming, so it happens. You see the wind blowing from the south, from the desert. There, it's going to be hot. Yep. It says, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? They didn't realize that God's promised Savior, His Messiah, was standing right in front of them. The Savior is calling you to turn from your sin and trust in Him before it's too late. Now is the appointed time. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to make peace with God. You can settle with your accuser, not because you have enough to pay, not because of promises you make about how good you'll be the rest of your life, but because Jesus has already paid the price for your sin. And then for those of us who are trusting in Jesus, who have made peace with God because God has made peace with us through Christ. How do we respond to this? Well, we live differently. We live differently. Differently than we did before we knew Christ and differently than the world around us. So for those of us who say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, has Jesus' death led to a discernible difference in your life. Because it's not just, well, okay, well, now I know I'm going to heaven, so I'm happy about that, and then I'll just keep doing all the things I always have done and keep being the person I have always been. Jesus came not only to save people from God's wrath, but to save us from our sin and from the power of sin even now. He changes us. We're different. We're different because we have a different hope. So do you feel this division with unbelievers in your life? On your block? At work? Does this division exist? To a certain degree, it should. It must if we will claim to belong to Christ, right? Are are we just like our unbelieving friends, neighbors, and coworkers? Do the same things move you that move your unbelieving workmates? Do you long for the same things as the person in the cubicle next to you or on the line next to you? What are our hopes and fears? Are they the same as before we trusted in Christ? Are they the same as the unbelievers that we know? If they're exactly the same and they're always exactly the same, maybe you go back to the first point of responding to Jesus. Now is the time to make peace. With God, because as we experience His peace, there will be division. And so, as we live differently, we should expect division. If there's no difficulty in your relationships with those who don't follow Jesus, are you following Jesus? Jesus tells us to expect it. We don't only expect division, there's a way in which we need to embrace this division. Because there is a real difference. Now, say, embrace division, okay? Don't be unnecessarily divisive, exclusive, or mean. You know, it's not you walking to work like, ha, I'm better than you, right? Well, we're supposed to have divisions anyway, so no, this isn't posturing yourself to be against your neighbor, right? We're to be persons of peace with our neighbors. But we're gonna have to work for that peace because there is a natural division. So, this isn't a license to be mean. or say, well, there's supposed to be division anyway, so of course I can feel it. No, we fight for peace because we long for them to know the peace of Christ. It's what the world does to be unkind, to be mean when there is division. Right? And so, living the different life, the life of Christ, is to do the opposite of that. That's what living the different life will look like as we experience this division. And this different life comes because we have a different hope. This is the heartbeat of the letter of First Peter, which we did a sermon series on in early 2018. So if you're newer to us, I'd It sounds silly because I preach most of the sermons there. I say, I'd commend that to you. It's not because I did such a great job with it. It's because the truth in there is exactly what we need in this day. Where we feel division. And how do I live that different life? We live the different life because of the different hope. 1 Peter 1.3 tells us that we have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The different life is because of that different hope. Just like the division this afternoon, if you happen to be watching the football game with a Cowboys fan, you feel the division because you have a different hope. Does that make sense? When you're watching that, you go like, I hope the Eagles win, and I hope they crush them. But if the person sitting next to you is saying, I hope the Cowboys win, someone has to be disappointed. And when you see things going a certain way, it's it's hard for you. And it's hard to sit there and go like, yeah, good job. That was, that was a nice play that they did right there. Right? That's hard. Why? You don't have to look at Danny like that. Why? <laughs> but why do we feel that? It's because our hope is different. And that's why I asked a moment ago, Are your hopes, are your fears different than they used to be? Are they different than the world? Because they should be. We've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have hope that's way beyond anything that we can experience or receive this week. We have hope that's beyond anything this life have to off, has to offer. It's why Art can say it's just a game. Because there's something that's so much more important for us. And as we live that different life, because of the different hope that is in us through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, there will be difference Again, we don't have to be jerks about the difference, but there will be difference, and it should be noticeable. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. I'm just kind of picking representative. So one of my hopes is that, you know, yes, read Luke 2 this week with your family. But read 1 Peter and be refreshed, be Encouraged. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, that's because of our different hope, we're on our way home, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And then 1 Peter 4. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. And they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. We are sojourners. We're heading somewhere different, and we have a solid hope because Jesus has already been raised from the dead, and we with him will be raised from the dead. So this division doesn't mean like, okay, well, let's figure out how to only spend time with Christians so that we don't have to experience this. So that we don't have to feel this, let's let's make Christian companies and only meet together as the church. And let's, you know, okay, this is the block I live on. Let's have all people in the church live on my block, so we can all be be friends and have this peace. This isn't telling us to go out of the world. Jesus would have just taken us immediately if that was what he wanted for us. But we're meant to live in the world. Living differently, but living close enough so that they can see the difference too. So this division is not something we embrace by saying, okay, yeah, yeah, we're, we're different, so we don't talk to you. We don't engage with you. No, we, in our difference, come to them so that they can know a different hope too. The author of Hebrews says that Jesus was separated from sinners. But then in other places, we're told he's the friend of sinners. It's like, how, how can he do that? What does it mean that he's separated from sinners? It means that he doesn't participate with them. He doesn't sin. And he doesn't encourage other people to sin or condone their sin. And yet he's right there with them. Loving them, caring for them, helping them, ultimately dying for them, so that people who were not a people could be called God's people. And that's us. So we can only do this, we can only live the different life because of our different hope by His grace and by the power. Of the Holy Spirit. So let's not be surprised by division when we face it. Jesus has told us it's coming. We live differently than we used to and differently than the world does because we're going in a different direction. So there will be division now as we live out our identity in Christ. Let's make sure that whatever divisions we do experience are because of that difference and not because of other things. We referenced polarized politics, fractured families, we've kind of jokingly referenced sports allegiances, and some of you are like, well, I don't like sports at all. Like, okay, that's fine too. Let's make sure that it's that difference because of the different hope we have that leads to any division that we experience. And even then we are called to be persons of peace. We must be prepared for division because of Jesus' death and resurrection. By his grace, we can have peace with God through the death and resurrection of Jesus. This will lead to division with the world that we're called to win for Christ. So while maintaining our distinctiveness as God's people, we must live holy lives and be ready to give an answer to those who ask. As God works through our work and our good works and our proclamation of the gospel to bring more people to faith in him and under submission to his rule, there's a bit more peace on earth. So as followers of Jesus, we must also demonstrate what peace on earth can look like. We can have peace with one another here despite all sorts of differences in other areas, right? We're not all from the same place. We don't all have the same culture. We don't all have the same politics. We don't love the same sports teams or sports at all. We're from different backgrounds, have different experiences. But our deepest identity is the same. We are one in Christ who is our life. We have died with him and we will be raised with him. And so, in the church, there should be peace on earth. And when Jesus comes again in his glory, finally, there will be peace on earth. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you that we don't have to be eternally divided from you. It's what we deserve. We deserve to be separated from you forever. But you sent your son to pay the price, to be the sacrifice for our sins, acceptable to you. Would you amaze us with that story again as we celebrate his birth this week? And would you cause us to come to you again in humility, in repentance, in faith. And would you deepen our hope in Jesus this Christmas so that we are freed by your love and your grace and the power of your spirit to live the different life that you've called us to as we wait for Jesus to come again. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.